On today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast, Star Wars actually now has release dates for three upcoming Star Wars films. We don't know what any of them are, but we're going to discuss that in a little bit. Also, Ezra Miller appeared at the Flash premiere last night and made his first comments in a long time. Wasn't allowed to speak to press, but we're going to talk about those comments. Also, Avatar 3 has been moved an entire year, and Superman and Lois, popular amongst a lot of fans, has officially now been renewed for a shortened season four. That and a few things more. The John Campion Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the planet Earth. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege to have you our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good things. Not just giving you our opinions, but also giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. I am, of course, joined in studio today by our one and only Ray Aura. Hey, hey. We've got Jonathan Voico here. Hello, everybody. Chris Carr is in the house. Hey, y'all. And most importantly... You guys are here. Thank you so much, everybody, for making this show part of your day. And here's how it's going to go. We're going to spend the first part of the show talking about those predetermined topics. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on one of your favorite podcasting apps of choice, we also have a YouTube channel that we make videos on every day. And we have some channel members over there. And every day we ask our channel members to send in some topics and questions that they'd like us to address. And we get through as many of those as we can. All right. With that all down, guys, let's dive right into it. We're going to start off with this. It has been about four years since we've had a Star Wars movie in theaters. Oh, but it's not from a lack of announcements. We've had many Star Wars movie announcements that never come <laughs> to fruition. Whether it's the long-promised Taika Waititi movie, the oft-promised uh, Kevin Feige movie that doesn't seem to be going anywhere now, there was, of course, the uh, the, the Patty Wonder Woman. Jenkins one. The Patty Jenkins yeah. one that I was very excited about. A Rogue Squadron movie that they made this big production out of and it made this Top huge Gun event. Maverick of Star Wars. Yeah, and uh, a, that apparently and nothing's ever come of it. The Maverick of Star Wars. I know it Star is. Wars of the Star Wars. Exactly. Of the, Star Wars of all the Star Wars of the Star Wars. You had the Benioff and Weiss had a Star Wars project mm -hmm. in yeah. development that never went anywhere, and on and on and on. But. Disney today did a lot of date flag planting, and we're going to talk <laughs> about some of those here. But we now officially have three release dates for Star Wars movies. We don't know what any of them are, whether any of them are some of the ones they just recently talked about at Star Wars Celebration. Dave Filoni's got a, a, a conclusion to the Mandoverse movie he's working on. James Mangold apparently is going to be doing one. So probably one or two of those are going to be some of these dates. But here's the dates. Now, this comes just from Variety that writes this. With the addition of a Star Wars film in December of 2026, December of 2026, it means that two movies set in a galaxy far, far away will be released in the same year. A separate Star Wars movie, which had been previously set a date of December 19th, 2025, has now been moved to May 22nd of 2026. So that means, theoretically, in 2026, we now have two movies that they, I'm sure, will cancel at some point. And another Star Wars film is set for <laughs> December 17th, 2027. Uh, Disney hasn't clarified the premieres of any of those or the premises of any of those installments. So we've got one in May 22nd of 2026, <coughs> one in December of 2026, and one December 17th of 2027. Now, if you guys do watch our YouTube channel, we made a video earlier today about the Avatar films getting uh, moved around, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, those are dancing around now. Avatar gets certain... Decembers and Star Wars is apparently getting certain Decembers and never shall the two overlap. <laughs> it has now been, like I said, we're getting on four years since we've had a Star Wars film. That last Star Wars film, by the way, did make over a billion dollars at the box office. It was terrible, but it made over a billion dollars at the box office. Um, and I understood, you know, with... The fact that the sequel trilogy, which I believe started off strong and got weaker as they went because they had no plan and it became more and more obvious that they had no plan as the as the trilogy continues. Like 
Yeah, see, at first I thought you were just kind of driving the car in a free-spirited kind of way. <laughs> now I know you don't actually know where the fuck you're going. Um, Filming on Louise roadmap there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Woo, let's go off this, you know, Rise of Skywalker cliff. <laughs> Hold hands and away we go. <laughs> Somehow the Emperor has returned. So, so here we are. And I understood that they wanted to take a beat after that. So, okay, let's take a breath. Let's take a step back. Let's reevaluate where we are and plan a new future. And yeah, nothing. It's been it's been a lot of <laughs> hey, a lot of announcements. This is coming, this is coming, this is coming. Oh, no, it's not anymore. No, it's not anymore. No, it's not anymore. But I feel like all these movies are going to be coming in a post-Kathleen Kennedy era, right? So it, this may be now their first step of trying to get their ducks in a row. Chris, look, I, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but um, Disney's a mess. Like, a mess. And listen, when you bring in new leadership, it takes a while before you feel the impact of that new leadership. And Disney was already a mess before Bob Iger came back. I have every belief in the world that Big Papa Iger can write that ship, but it's going to take time. As Logan said in Succession, I'm trying to steer a tanker. It takes a while. But right now, that mouse house is a fucking hoarder's nightmare. It's mm-hmm. just a mess. And I have a hard time while my whole life and breath revolves around Star Wars. I have a very hard time getting excited about three new release dates. Five years ago, I would have been excited. Six years ago, I would have been excited about three new release date announcements. But I just don't know if any of these dates are actually going to hold with the way they've been doing things lately. We're going to do this movie. Now it's gone. We're going to do it. And so I, I don't know. How should I feel about this? We got two release dates in 2026, which, by the way, is still three years away. And then one for four and a half years from now with December 20th. So I, said, I don't know. How should I feel about all this? So very meh. <laughs> so very meh. That's how I feel. This is the beigeest of announcements. This is the August of announcements. It's not exciting. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, because... We don't know what these projects are. <laughs> so telling me that they're moving around tells me nothing. Mm. It's absolute nonsense. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Disney is is a mess. We talked about this earlier in the week and actually some people in the comments too were, how is Disney not firing on all cylinders? How is Disney a mess? This, you guys, they're, they're rudderless. They're directionless. They need to have some focus here. And we're seeing some shining lights throughout here. But we need a bit more purpose and direction. And knowing what these properties could be would be a real great start for me to get a little more excited. Do I love the idea of Star Wars being back on the big screen? Absolutely. That's where it belongs. I want to see a galaxy far, far away on the biggest screen possible. It's convenient to watch it at home streaming. But I don't want convenience, really. I want mm. to see something epic and amazing. And well, and then when we have checked out home streaming, we've gotten Obi Wan, yeah, which was nice to go. But should have been but, a movie. Hey, hey, listen, I, I'm I give Disney credit where it's due. Mm-hmm. Guardians three, fantastic. Fantastic. Andor, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really like the Little Mermaid. They just movie they just yeah. put out. They've got some things I'm excited about. But I'm not accustomed to Disney being. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. You know, I'm not accustomed to that. It's very, very different water for them. And on top of that, you're going to have this ripple effect because of the ongoing WGA strike. Yeah. Because so many of their properties are timeline based. They're intrinsically connected that you can't just stop one thing and then have something else pop up in its place. There is a timeline for all of these movies, all of these different properties. So... Disney really, really needs to get its poop in a group and Star Wars really <laughs> in a group. It's gotta get its really poop in a group. <laughs> Ray does not like that analogy. That's really gross. Do you know something about me? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I, I mean, look, it's great. We got three Star Wars movie dates planted there. It would have been nice if they said what movies those were that were coming out. But honestly, honestly, and I have no proof of this. This is just me speculating. The fact that I believe all this is going to be in a post Kathleen Kennedy world. And the fact that this is all minimum three years away, like the December one is three and a half years away. The 2027 one is four and a half years away. I believe the reason we're not getting actual titles and which movies are going to be is because while they're planting these flags, 
I think they're waiting for the new president of Lucasfilm to come in to give them a little bit of leeway as to which movies they want to put where. I mean, again, I, that's just me speculating. I, I can't really back that up. That's just a thought in my head, but you know, we'll see. You know, they scrapped that Rogue Squadron movie, but I would really like one of those films to be like Rogue Squadron or have that 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 same theme. I, yeah. I listen, the idea, like Chris said, of Top Gun in space. Oh, yeah. Which Star Wars did it first. Yeah. And then Top Gun did it after, to Jonathan's point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I. It's just being I, The idea of Rogue Squadron was so exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Not because I particularly loved. I mean, a couple of the Rogue Squadron books were pretty good, but, but just the notion <clears throat> of this is the story of an elite fighter group. Right. And actually seeing. Some wars in Star Wars, some space battle. And also, I I hate to bring it, but the light year, that one scene where he's floating to the ship and you see the death of the the stars in the universe, just just to feel being that air, sort of like, you know, that just kind of getting sick a little bit. I I want Rogue or this uh, Rogue Squadron movie that does that. Yeah, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, unfortunately, but we'll we'll find out. All right, guys. Let's move on to this, shall we? Oh, the ongoing drama of Flash. Movie that was announced nearly 10 years ago. And last night, last night, they actually had the, the official world premiere. Hey, good job, Flash. Yeah, well done. They had a premiere for good Flash. Job. Last night. <laughs> hey, man, good job. And um, despite the fact that, uh, you know, amidst all the delays and the four changings of directors and writers and all through it all. One of the consistent things was Ezra Miller. And then in the last couple of years, one of the consistent things was Ezra Miller making the news for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Well, yesterday, Ezra Miller, as they announced they would a couple of weeks ago, Ezra Miller did attend the premiere. And as they said in a report last week, Ezra did not speak to reporters, but As is tradition at these Hollywood premieres, before the movie started, they brought out the director and the cast in front of the theater to say thank yous, and they brought out Ezra Miller, and Ezra Miller did say a few words before they started the movie, made a statement, again, didn't talk to uh, any of the the press or anything, but uh, Ezra Miller thanked several people. Uh, They thanked uh, uh, David Zaslav, they thanked the uh, Warner Brothers studio heads, um, who is uh, DeLuca and I'm forgetting the other, the, the Lucas partner's oh, name. Oh, Pam Abdi. Abdi, thank you. The two heads of Warner Brothers Pictures. Uh, the uh, Then Ezra then thanked the, uh, what they refer to as the dynamic duo of Peter Safran and James Gunn. Uh, thanked... Uh, Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder for, I mean, the fact that they're the ones who cast Ezra in the first place in the role. And then said, uh, specifically speaking about David Zaslav and James Gunn and Peter Safran, Ezra said, for your grace and discernment and care in the context of my life and in bringing this moment to fruition. Now, just for context, you guys, I've been saying this for a very, very long time. Ezra should not be Flash anymore. Just the drama, the poor decisions, the trouble, all that kind of stuff. I understand why they didn't go back and reshoot the entire movie because they shot this movie prior to Ezra doing most of the stuff that got Ezra in trouble in the first place. So that's fine. I I had no problem with that. Again, whenever I see people say, well, how come they fired Johnny Depp but not Ezra Miller? Because they fired Johnny Depp before they shot the movie. Ezra got into all the real trouble after they shot the movie. So it's two different situations. And, 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 and besides, this is not, I said it a million times, it needs to keep being said, it is not Ezra Miller's movie. I don't care what the perception is, it's not Ezra Miller's movie. Ezra Miller is a hired hand in this movie. This is Warner Brothers' movie, this is DC's movie, this, more importantly, is Andy Muschietti's movie, and they've made a very, very good movie. That all being said, that I don't think Ezra should ever be allowed to be Flash again, well, let me take, I'll take out the word ever. Who knows where we're going to be five, six, seven years from now, but... I thought this was the appropriate statement to make. Um, I I thought Warner Brothers made the right decision in having, number one, Ezra attend the premiere. Because if Ezra wasn't even there, then I think that becomes the headline. It's the whole conversation then. Yes, it hijacks the whole narrative, right? Ezra wasn't even at the world premiere. 
I also think it was the right decision not to talk to press because you know that would have also derailed the entire narrative because the first question any journalist on the red carpet worth their salt would ask, so you carrying any guns today, Ezra? (laughs) Or something along those lines that totally would have hijacked everything. And then as far as Ezra's actual comments, I thought they were well-scripted comments. I don't know if Ezra wrote the comments themselves. I don't know if Warner Brothers had somebody write the comments for them. It's irrelevant. I thought the comments were classy, reserved, and let's say safe. You know, thank you for your grace, your discernment in the care of the context of my life and in bringing this moment to fruition. There's, I also, there's a hint in there of acknowledgement of, hey, I really messed things up. Thank you for your discernment and your grace and your care. And I actually personally think that was rather wise to put in there, almost like a little bit of an acknowledgement that, hey, I've really made some mistakes here. So thank you for your grace. And so again, it's, it was the best of a very bad situation. Um, I'll say. So I know, Chris, you you heard about this. What do you think about the decision to have Ezra there, to have Ezra make some obviously pre-prepared comments, to not speak to the press, all that kind of stuff? And where do you see this thing going? I think the Warner's, Warner Brothers publicity team handled this very, very well in this moment. We talked about this earlier in the week. You don't have Ezra Miller just greeting reporters and answering any question that they have for them. Right. Because... On a red carpet, you don't get that screening opportunity. You don't have those. These are off-limit questions like you do in an interview, right? There's not a pre-screening. You're just right in the thick of it. And any reporter worth their salt is immediately going to go into, you know, hey, you know, your misdemeanor charges in Hawaii. Hey, that, you know, felony burglary in Vermont. Let's talk about these things. Let's talk about some further allegations. How did this affect your filming? How did this affect the rest what of your casting crew? What did Ezra say to the cop that was on video about... Uh, what's the stupid digital thing you can buy? Not not real art. You buy a digital an NFT. NFT goes. Remember that one video where of Ezra getting arrested and saying, "I'm I like to make NFTs out of me getting arrested or something really stupid." Yeah, and oh, like man. that. Yeah, which was just a not the right response. No, I no. feel ever, yeah. but also <laughs> probably for sure not with law enforcement in the midst of arrest. I don't know, but you would you would have a reporter talking about those things, and that yeah. would detract from the film itself. I think Ezra's statements were well crafted. I think they were really well done. Would I like more of an apology in this moment to some of those cast and crew about the overshadowing of this, perhaps? But then that even becomes this almost performative thing, where it becomes bigger than the movie, and it becomes all about what Ezra's saying. You yes, know? I agree with that, right? Because you, you're right. I would love to hear more of the apology, but if if I'm Warner Brothers, do I want that done at the premiere? Or does, again, does that derail the narrative of, hey, we're here to celebrate this movie? You're probably, you're 100% exactly. right about and, that. And so, you know, with all of these things we've talked about recently, because I know I've been very hard about the Ezra Miller stuff of just violence towards anyone is wildly inappropriate. If you put hands on another person, that's wildly inappropriate. And there's video of that. And so that's one of the reasons why I've been so heated about it. So if all the other allegations are not true, I think Ezra Miller has a great opportunity to really rectify the life that they're living and hopefully make amends and do all of this. But I'm with you. I don't see a way through where Ezra Miller continues being the Flash after just the entire media circus that surrounded this film, you know? And again, if all those other allegations are false, Ezra Miller is a tremendous actor. There's never been a question oh, about that. we've never questioned that. Always just never a wonderful, that. wonderful performer. Great in everything I've ever seen Ezra Miller in. But as we've seen Warner Brothers release a statement, as we've seen Andy Muschietti release a statement on, Ezra Miller needs help. And Ezra Miller knows that Ezra Miller needs help. So hopefully, again, if those allegations are false, if everything else we've heard in the media about Ezra Miller is false. There is a way for them to turn this around. I just don't see a way for them to be the Flash ever again. It's just hard when there's still a, a set of parents out there saying, we needed a restraining order to keep you away from our daughter. Exactly. I mean, and it, and that, that whole thing has gotten from. even messier now because of charges being dropped, which some people say charges being dropped means obviously it's not a real thing or or the indigenous court uh, you know, clearing everything means that this is okay. But other people will come in and say, no, it doesn't mean that. Charges get dropped all the time. Or uh, uh, another court of law hasn't talked about this. It's so muddy and muddled now. And 
the Twitter discourse all over the place is constantly do your own research, look at these things. But even those articles, a lot of times have skewed perspectives. None of us are in the room for any of these things. We so it's any. so hard to to move forward. And by the way, ah. one thing I want to say in in to Ezra's credit, to Ezra's credit, in what few statements Ezra Miller has made, never once has Ezra come out and said, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. <clears throat> to Ezra's credit, everything that Ezra has said has been, in my opinion, the right thing to say. Say, I need help. I'm in a bad place in my life. Uh, and then at this thing here at the premiere saying, thank you, Warner Brothers and James Gunn yeah. for your grace and your understanding and your discernment in getting us to this moment. Like, all that stuff to me speaks very well. But again, listen, and the reality is, put all the Ezra Miller drama aside. Put it all aside for a second. Was James Gunn and Peter Safran new DCU even going to involve Ezra Miller anyway? Like, forget so. the drama and forget all that stuff. Just from a pure, we're restarting the DCEU, were they going to use that flash anyway? And I'm honestly not sure that that was ever going to be a part of their plans in the first place anyhow. Oh, you'd, you'd pop them into an Elseworlds if you went forward, you know? Go, oh, all of this stuff, that's an Elseworlds thing that we can go revisit whenever we want to. Right. But so, I don't think that's happening either. It'll be interesting to see how they go. All right, guys, listen. We do have a couple more issues we're going to talk about. Superman and Lois gets renewed over their avatar, moving their release dates and all that kind of stuff. But before we do, we're going to take a second and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of The John Campus Show, our friends at Masterclass and ExpressVPN. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn filmmaking from James Cameron himself, you know, the guy who made three of the four biggest films of all time. Improve your writing by taking screenwriting from one of the greatest who's ever done it, Aaron Sorkin. Or maybe learn how to make great comedic content by taking comedy by the one and the only Judd Apatow. And many of you guys know I'm a big poker guy, and I recently got a chance to sit down and watch Daniel Negreanu, one of the greatest poker players in the world, teach poker. It was absolutely fantastic. But guys, whatever you're interested in, there is a class for you with over 180 exclusive classes taught by the instructors you know and love. And you can explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, and on the go with audio mode. Individual lessons range from about 10 to 15 minutes in length that fit easily into your everyday life. Guys, I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class and as a John Campia show listener you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash campia now. That's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off masterclass. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, it is 2023 and online privacy and security has never been more important. You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you. It's super simple for somebody online who knows what they're doing to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email from somebody you don't know, your IP address could become exposed. Now that's where ExpressVPN has your back. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And you don't have to be some kind of techie to use a VPN. Guys, it is so easy to use. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. And if you like your streaming entertainment, here's the coolest part. They let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. This is incredibly useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash campia. Use my link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash campia. Go to expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass and ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into this, shall we? You know, I really hated the CW iteration of Superman. 
especially in the early years when Superman was brought in as a clown punching bag for Supergirl in the Supergirl series. And I hated that because Superman is not just another comic book character. Superman is Superman. <laughs> and I introduced a lot of you guys to uh, a wrestling term called jobber. Mm -hmm. A jobber in wrestling <clears throat> is a wrestler who's never supposed to win. They're just supposed to go into the ring against a big name wrestler and get beat up and make the other wrestler look good. So for those of you familiar with wrestling history, guys like Steve Lombardi, mm -hmm. the Brooklyn brawler, mm -hmm. guys like that who just go in the ring, they never win. They just go in so the big guy can beat them up and make them look good. Well, Superman in the CW in the Supergirl show was a jobber. They literally just brought in Superman to make Supergirl look good. <laughs> And even have Superman say words like, oh, the earth doesn't need me. They have you. <laughs> and they literally had them fight. Wow. And super, it just it just pissed me off because you it's fine to job every once in a while. It's fine to have characters job to other characters once in a while. But you do not job Superman, Wonder Woman, or Batman. You don't job. They can lose fights, but you don't have them as jobbers. And they, didn't they do that from the start? From oh, the yeah. He was introduced. He was like... Why am I even here? Oh, that's yeah. basically the whole tenure of Superman in the Supergirl show is why am I even here? It right? Reminds, and it always me pissed me SNL off. SNL sketch. It's like DJ Superman, j -j -j jobber. Yeah. <laughs> You'd <laughs> have to know that? the Saturday Night Live sketches we've been watching oh, okay. on YouTube around here. But here's the thing. So when they announced that they were doing a Superman and Lois show, and it was still I never know how to pronounce Tyler Holkin, Hawkland, Hawkland, Hawkland or Hawkland, whatever. <laughs> that, that guy the not he not Henry Cavill guy <laughs> that they were doing with him I was I instantly did not care because I'm not interested in job or Superman <clears throat> but the first two episodes came out and a bunch of people wrote me and said John I think you might like this you should check it out so I I started to watch it and you know what it was great it was I, it was looking at Superman from an angle that they'd never really done it before like one of the challenges facing any movie maker, television show producer, whatever, any storyteller with Superman is the fact that he's basically a god on earth. And how do you challenge that? How, how, what, what obstacles? Because in any story of any hero, there, it's about the obstacles that your hero has to overcome, that hero's journey, right? It's always a challenge about what challenges Superman. And instantly it was, he's married and he has two teenage sons. And he's struggling as a father. And instantly I was like, you know what? That's interesting. And the way they were able to do the show and they made him really fascinating. I love, I don't know the actress's name, the girl who plays Lois. She was in, um, what's the, oh, I'm freezing on the name of the show that I used to love. It was uh, uh, where, where her, the main character was a descendant of Van Helsing. Uh, was a descendant of Mount Helsing, and it was about all these monsters living in Portland. And I'm freezing on oh. the name of the... Well, the she's Elizabeth Grimm. Tullock. What's that? Grimm, thank you. Yeah. I used to really... And she was like the co-lead in Grimm. I used to love her there. What's the actress's name? Elizabeth Tullock? I, I think that's how you say it. Her last name, T-U-L-L-O-C-H. Well, I really loved her Grimm. And so they brought her over as Lois Lane, and she instantly won me over as a really great Lois Lane. And then... I, th I believe it was episode 11 happened of season one. Oh, no. Where, because right up until episode 11, it's like, oh, this isn't the Arrowverse. This isn't the jobber Superman. This is Superman is the lone hero in this world. Oh, they, they, they're, they're just same cast, but it's a different Superman. I love this. And then, and then <laughs> episode 11, I believe it was 11, where they brought over Diggle. From the Arrowverse. A, a character I like, by the way. I liked, I've always liked Diggle in, in the Arrowverse. But they brought in Diggle and my brain broke. Because this image I had of this show, it's not the Jobber Superman, whatever. They brought in Diggle. I'm like, oh, it is the Jobber Superman. And I didn't choose this. <laughs> Chris, you don't choose. When somebody gives you a new flavor of ice cream mm -hmm. and you I put it in your mouth, this. you don't choose if you like it or not. You either just like it or you, your body tells you if you <clears throat> like it or you don't. You like don't so choose. many things in life. Like so many things in life, right? So <laughs> I did not choose. Well, I don't like this. My right. brain, my body just reacted to it. It was like, nope, I don't want to watch this anymore. Okay. 
Now, after that, a bunch of people told me, like, I think it was into season two, they said, John, you got to watch the new episodes. They've firmly, canonically established this is not the Arrowverse. This is not the same Superman for that. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it again. And ever since I've had everybody tell me that the show continues to be great. And I have made the decision that once I'm done my series rewatch of West Wing, which I'm now up to season five, I'm going through a, ser- a series rewatch of West Wing. West Wing. Once I'm done, I'm going to go back and revisit Superman Lost. I'm going to watch the rest of it. Well, anyway, that long preamble was just to basically say this. <laughs> it's been renewed for season four. Yay. Despite everything else at CW being canceled. I mean, everything else. Mm-hmm. At CW being canceled, Flash has wrapped up its run. The, the proper Arrowverse is now done. The last remnants of what even looked like the Arrowverse. Superman Lost has been renewed for a season four, albeit a limited series season four. This is going to be limited to 10 episodes, which is still longer than most series today anyway. But uh, yeah, a season four. So there you go. Chris, you hear about this show getting renewed. Were you surprised? Uh, about it. What do you think about it getting another season? You know, I am surprised, but I am very, very excited about it because I'm catching up on the latest season because I had fallen off a little bit when we concluded in season two with some bizarro storyline stuff. Literally bizarro, not just a bizarro story. But <laughs> I am I think this is a really great iteration of Superman. I've really enjoyed this kind of Clark and everything too. First of all, in that premiere episode, right, we have that action comic shot. Oh, yeah. That is just, yeah. oh, chef's kiss. It is iconic. And I've always loved anytime people have explored just how gentle Clark has to be throughout his everyday life. Mm. How any moment he could hurt somebody if he is not constantly aware of his own strength and then having to teach that to his own child and how having a superhero background and having superpowers still doesn't help you parent. Yeah, It honestly makes you kind of a shitty parent most of the time because you're an absentee dad despite how much you're trying because you've got to help all these other people. And I thought those explorations were really great. I thought that the marriage between Clark and Lois was so well done in this show too of them still having marital issues and you know neither of them being perfect individuals because marriage is hard. And, and- I love the idea of adding the father-in-law into that whole thing. Like right uh-huh. away, I was like, this is interesting to me. It's so great. How, and, and especially viewing him as an asset first before viewing him as a son-in-law. So there's so many fun layers to this show that I think are really, really well done. Honestly, to a point that when I was watching it, I went, this is CW? I mean, every now and then they hit you with that budget and you go, there it is. There, I can see that. That budgeting. Yeah, seeing these spacesuits. Oh, okay. But I think it's a very, very well done show. Sure, there's some moments where it does get into kind of teen drama and everything, but I think that's part of it as well is it's, at the heart of it, it's a, a family drama where people happen to be superpowered individuals. And I think that's its strength. So I'm really looking forward to watching more of this. But I do like that they're going to have a nice, finite conclusion as opposed to letting this go on for, you know, however long it does. Or it just canceled. saying, oh, sorry, guys, that season that three done. finale, now it's done. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. That I like when things come to a proper end. Did you, you guys, Jonathan, Ray, did you guys ever watch this yeah. Superman Low show? I watched the no. first two episodes, but that the, the son that actually gets or, you know. The crybaby son, I call him. <laughs> the crybaby son? I couldn't stand him. Emo crybaby son? So I stopped watching. I just, yeah, because I'm like, come on, man. You got it. You got it. I guess I, I felt the same cry. way about that oh. character. Oh. He gets better. Okay. He, he does get better. I, I just couldn't stand it. I was just like, this emo kid doesn't realize what he has. You know what I mean? I mean <laughs> well, you know what? You can say that about any kid. You can say about any kid doesn't yeah. realize how good they have it most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Well, and that's kind wow. of what they explored it too, is this is a kid too who's gone to see therapists and is, you know, got some anger issues every now and then, has some emotional issues. And so then at first he thinks that this superhero kind of DNA is, oh, that's the explanation. That's why I feel so different because I am different. But then so much of it is like, nah, dude, you're a hormonal teenager and sometimes life sucks. Yeah. Sometimes it just sucks to be a kid. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it's uh, it's coming back. If you watch the show, it's a good day for you because it's coming back for four season. I am going to go back and watch the entire thing. I've been putting it off for too long. Once I'm done the West Wing, I'm going to get to it. All right. With that down, guys, uh, let's talk about this. We made a video about this earlier today, but uh, Avatar 2 was delayed I mean, we can we joke about it, say, 100 times, but I think officially they had three different official release dates for it, and it got delayed all the time till finally it came out in uh, 2022. 
after a lot of delays and all that kind of stuff. Well, then we were supposed to get Avatar 3 in December of 2024 and so on and so forth. Well, we always joke about, I'll believe it when I see it. And it's right that I just said so because Avatar 3 has just been delayed a year. Not a few months, a year. And the subsequent Avatar films have also been shuffled around. So we now have these release dates. Avatar 3 is now scheduled to come out December 19th of 2025. And I'll believe that when I see it. Avatar 4 then comes out four years later on December 21st, 2029. And then Avatar 5, two years after that, for December 19th, 2031. It's not a real year. James Cameron <laughs> will be 76 years old when um, when Avatar 5 comes out I again in 2031. I mean, so. <laughs> um yeah, now, of course, this yeah, represents a big victory lap for Ray Ork. Because when we discussed a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that, hey, Avatar 3 and Sonic are both coming out at the same time in December of 2024, obviously, Sonic is going to move. To which Ray Ora, the lone yeah, the voice line. in the wilderness, the belief, said, uh-uh, James Cameron can't handle the heat. Yeah. He'll blink. <laughs> He'll blink. And he'll move Avatar out of the way of Sonic. And we all thought he was foolish. I did we the all math, said baby. he was wrong. I did the math. You showed me the total box office. I said, Avatar's number is bigger. Let's go, go with the smaller number. You know, I was you in know, early co- uh, It conference. makes sense. It makes, makes sense. Se- total yeah. sense. Total yeah. sense. Though it just, you, if you wait long enough, what Ray says starts to make sense. Yeah. And I it the did. There are predictions. And James Cameron has gotten the hell out of the way of the little blue flurry ball of quills and fur. He saw Shadow and he was like, fuck. I I, I did make a serious point that day where I thought a lot of us were saying, oh, it'll get the same crowd going in. I actually thought uh, Sonic would actually bring in a different crowd or people would do a double header of it because they're two different types of movies. One, maybe you don't bring your kids. When you bring the kids, you know what I mean? I, it's see, like, I normally agree with that logic, but we are talking about literally the biggest the films dollars. of all time, yeah, like yeah. the biggest films of all right. time. Now, look, <clears throat> obviously, they did not move Avatar 3 yeah. to get out of the way of Sonic. There's it's obviously honest. other things involved here, but still, it's, it's pretty big. You tell that to James Marsden, fresh off a jury duty. <laughs> yeah, man. He's hot, hot. We did it. I've been speaking to a lot more people, and I'm surprised at how many people didn't like this last Avatar. Yeah. I didn't know that existed. That but, was but, on a James Cameron but, hate But here's the thing. It's though. the cool thing to say. No, 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 no. Now listen, because yeah. I've been hearing it for years about how everybody says, oh, the first Avatar is so overrated. I didn't like, okay, that's fine. Everybody says that. But then the new <laughs> Avatar comes out, and it's, everybody goes to see it five times. It's a billion times. again. So you can say that all you want, but like- the, look it up right now. What is the audience rating right. on Avatar The Way of Water? Avatar. Avatar. Uh, because I'm going to guess, I, I haven't looked. I I'm so. going to guess it's well above 80%, the audience score. Or, or the very far- Okay, it's 76% and then for tomato meter, but the 92%, 92% audience, audience. So the audience oh. rating is 92%. All right. So like, that's fine. Like all these people who think they sound cool with, I didn't like this movie. Okay. That's, that's fine. And listen, all films subjective. You like, we like, you don't like what you don't like, but this narrative that some people try to paint that, you know what? People didn't really like this movie. Yeah. By every measurable (laughs) metric, people in general did like the movie. And usually the space in between these dates gives enough time where people are like, not another avatar movie. And plus, you know, James Cameron gets to work his genius and he's going to give us something new and fresh. Like every time, like, you know, I thought I thought the water stuff was really cool. It was. You know, one. I wonder. I, I don't know if this is true or not. Recently, we found out that James Cameron had already has written a term another Terminator script. Oh yeah, I was about to say. Remember that we talked too. about that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some of the buffer in here, not before Avatar three, but listen, there's a four year <laughs> gap between Avatar three and Avatar four. Which is strange. That's plenty of 
time to make another movie and make Avatar Force. I, I mean, don't know. That has something to do with it, Chris? He was working on that third act of Avatar 2, doing all that T2 nonsense. I'm sure he was like, I should do another Terminator movie. Because <laughs> that's so much in there. He was like, Titanic and Terminator, my greatest hits. Let's put them in here. Uh, that could be something to do with it. We've got a tweet from John Landau, who's one of the producers. <clears throat> oh, yeah, who, I read and that. And he that. talks about, too, how each Avatar film is an exciting but epic undertaking that takes time to bring the quality level we as filmmakers strive for and audiences have come to expect. The team is hard at work and can't wait to bring audiences back to Pandora in December 2025. That also makes sense to me, too, of if we keep talking about, to Ray's point, how innovative these films are, how beautiful these films are, how they make other CGI kind of things look like nonsense and hot garbage. If this movie doesn't look so incredibly beautiful people are going to be so turned off because I think that is a huge, huge part of these films is that they are just so visually stunning and constantly pushing the boundaries of what you can do with special effects and everything. So if they need to take more time on it, I think that's the right move. I, see, I agree. But, but I want to go back to Lando's comments. Mm -hmm. Notice something he did not say in that comment that in order to do it right, we had to move it back a year. Never said that. He said, hey, it takes a long time to make these movies great. See, in 2025, I don't believe that James Cameron and Landau, for that matter, are so bad at their jobs that they didn't realize how long it was going to take to make this movie when they set a December of 2024 release date. They're experienced in this. They know exactly how long it was going to take them to make it. They knew exactly how much time they needed, and they set that release date. I think this has more to... Now, granted, I do think James Cameron will take advantage of this extra time, for sure. He'll find ways to take advantage of it. He's always looking for ways to you know, tweak and innovate and get the newest technology involved, all that kind of stuff. For sure, he's going to make use of the time. But I think this had more to do with an overall reshuffling of the deck. Spring up his time so he can do Terminator 2, do more videos about doors and water. Well, or here's the other thing too. I think it also has something to do with Avatar 4 and 5. Okay. I think they wanted to make Avatar 4 not till 2029. I think that the moving of Avatar 3 back a year is more about making sure the gap between three and four is only four years and not five years. Oh, that, see, that's okay. what I'm guessing here. That That's, hey, that's yeah. what I'm going. Because again, if, if, if Lando had actually come out and said, listen, we realized we were not going to be able to make our 2024 release date. And therefore, to make sure we're, we're not rushing it, we're going to move it to 2025. But that's not what they actually said. So I don't know. I, I'm going to put on the tinfoil hat here and speculate. One percent. It's Sonic for sure. One percent. <laughs> hold on a second. Let me rephrase that. One percent that it's Sonic for sure. Sex Panther. Sex Panther. 50% of the time, it works every, every time. time. <laughs> Love it. All right. Guys, with that all down, we are now going to move over and start taking questions from our channel members on YouTube. A big thank you to all of our channel members there. And we're going to get to those questions here in just a second. But before we do, we're going to take a moment and thank another sponsor of today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, our friends and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. 
And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over and start taking those questions from our channel members. Chris, what do we got up? From Michael Kurtz, ever since the YouTube live show ended, I've still been getting the video version, more clips with the YouTube videos, and lives every day. I feel like I'm getting more at even better quality. You guys rock. Keep up the good work. Oh, uh, thank you so much for that, Michael. Yeah, like, here's the thing. When under the old, and by the way, I, I love, we loved doing the John Campia show the way we've done it for the last number of years. We, we really have, but you have to understand something. <coughs> the way we do things now, before we used to have, I used to have to have everything ready by 7.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what my daily routine was like every day for years, trying to have everything all ready to go out at 7.30 in the morning. Because that's when show notes with the complete rundown had to be sent out so Ray could get images made. People like Rob and Chris could start looking at what the topics were, start formulating their thoughts. And it all had to be ready by that time so we could go and suit the show. And then we segmented out the different things. The new system is this. We come in here. I come in at about nine. Mm -hmm. in, I'm living in some weird Reverse bizarre world where Ray's usually the first person in the studio now. Yeah, I, I was gonna tell. I was gonna say something to you this morning about it because I was like, I love this new routine because I'm not working at night. You know, the hardest part about working at night yeah. is going to sleep knowing you have to do the same thing mm -hmm. right when you wake up. As soon yeah. as you wake up in the morning, and that yeah. that sometimes that's a bummer. No matter how much you love your job, you you don't want to feel you like you're doing it, it all day yeah. long. Yeah, like so you now, have no free. Yeah, instead of having to have everything ready for seven thirty in the morning. I literally start my day at nine. Wake up happy. Too. We, uh, we come in, we look at what's the first big topic. Okay. It's going to be this one. Spend about a half hour getting that one topic ready. And then we shoot a standalone short video about that one topic. And then we say, okay, what's next? And we find the next topic. We spend some time prepping that. Ray gets an yep. image or two made. Jonathan starts pulling together other images. I, hit the I get my notes together and then we shoot the next standalone short video. And then we do that again. And then when we come to the podcast, we we don't make the podcast now or the John Campus show with this big video production with all the graphics and all the info stuff and all that kind of stuff. Rather, we just line up our topics. We sit down, we just chat about it. And we put up a very simple, simple video version on our Spotify podcast feed so anybody can watch it for free if they want to watch it instead of just listen to it or on YouTube for our channel members and for our director and producer level channel members we even put it up as an ad free experience um, and then once the podcast done we go okay are there any other news topics that came out oh there are great we spend some time put my notes together Ray makes a graphic and we shoot another thing and then we do open mic we finish at 4.30, and that ends our workday. It has made our lives so much easier. And I believe, um, and I'm so glad you wrote that in, I believe we are still putting out really good content. And in some cases, like I believe our standalone things are even better than the old segments used to be because each individual news story that we're doing a video for gets individual attention yep. and we're only focused on doing that one thing rather than, okay, we got to have all this stuff done at once. We got to do this one and then we're flowing right into the next one. And I actually believe we're making better content today. Now, I always understood, I understood that by ending the John Campia show as the video show that it has been for years that I think I told Ray and Jonathan, I think I told you guys, we might have to brace ourselves for maybe 30%. We may lose like 30% of our subscribers, 30% of our audience, because a lot of people came for that show the way it was. We have lost a grand total of what I was expecting to be 30%, we have lost half of 1%. We've lost 0.5%. Damn. Um, and we have gone from like 200 or 323,000 subscribers to 322,000 subscribers. And we got the names of those people, right? And we're going to go door to door. <laughs> 
Bring some cookies. Be like, come on, baby. Take me back, baby. No, no, it's, it's fine. Listen, Just like, with a boom box outside. <laughs> Making fried rice. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, listen, that's the beautiful thing about, about YouTube is that there's content for everybody and our content has never been for everyone. And a year from now, it still won't be for everyone, but it has, yeah, it, it has, uh, we've been able to maintain our, our basic viewership. We've been able to do a lot and it, it's just made our lives a lot easier and our sponsors seem to be happy and, and, uh, I'm more, I'm way more happy. And, and has already told, tells me like almost every day, she said, just the energy in the house is a lot better because you're not as stressed as you've always been. And it's just made things a lot better. And I, and I'm glad you're enjoying the way we're doing our content now. So thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. And by, and by the way, by the way, this, this is an organic thing. What we do, it, it, it will always change and evolve. And in six months from now, we might do other something else to change if we think it'll make things better or whatever. But I'm pretty thrilled the way things are going right now. All right. What's next? From Justin Welsh. Hey, crew. It's my birthday today. Happy Hi. birthday, Justin. Happy Bye. birthday, singing posty. Uh, many thanks, John and crew, for me. 12 years of entertainment and information. Oh, wow. From inspiring me with Canadian singing posty to soup goop. Yes. <laughs> and the antics of chef pleasures. Oh. Trade Federation still cracks me up. Tell you what, we I get a lot. I get a lot of. Great fan art and and cool things that viewers will send. But one of my favorite things of all time was Singing Posty sending me that video of him singing. It's it, seriously, it's just one of the ones that will always stick with me. As, Wait, as one of those. What really happened? Cool- so what? Someone sent you. Yeah, yeah. So he's his, his nickname is the Singing voice. Posty. Yeah. He's a he's a postal worker up in Canada. Oh. Okay. And he sings like. Like an angel. No. Yeah. Like sings like so straight good. up legit opera and, and sent us a video. Of him singing piece, and it's one of the most memorable things oh, for me. Okay, yeah. Really All right, cool. What's next? From Fanjecture, which show this summer are you looking forward to more, Foundation or Winning Time? God, I love both of those shows mm-hmm. so much. They're, Winning Time, baby. I, I love Foundation. Love Foundation. I cannot wait to watch the next season of it. But if they were both on at the same time, I'm watching the new season of Winning Time. As long as it's still got. Uh, uh, John C. Riley. John C. Riley, as Dr. Jerry Buss. I'm watching. I That's forgot it. the cliffhanger. What ri- rivalry are they going over? The Celtics. Ri- well, they just won the title. They just won their right, first right, NBA okay. title under Jerry Buss, okay, right? I don't so remember that. Last. That's where they left it off okay. at that point. So, and and they, I, I'm sure the next season will delve more into Magic Johnson's AIDS and Detroit things like Pistons. that. And pr- maybe the Detroit Pistons in their era still wasn't for a while longer. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right. What's next? From Jacob Hirsch, did anybody else get a weird sense of sad eeriness seeing Ezra at the premiere, being kept on a leash on what should have been the biggest day of their life? I, like we said earlier, I thought they handled it as perfectly well as it could be handled under the circumstances. I, I, I really do. I think they handled it. And listen, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, there is a reality in which they just said, no, you cannot come to our premiere. Like, you almost ruined this entire movie for us. So, no, you can't come. I, I actually thought, I think they need to mark it down under as a win, to be honest with you. Uh, I think, again, it's the, the phrase, the best of a bad situation. Absolutely. And that's what they did. All right, what's next? From King Edward, James Gunn is the guest on today's episode of Michael Rosenbaum's podcast. No, really? Nice. Inside of you. I love that podcast. There's a number of nuggets in there, including confirmation that Blue Beetle is being carried over into the new DCU. James Gunn will direct Peacemaker once Superman is locked, and he addressed Superman casting rumors. Ooh, I want to see that on the drive home. I got to check that out. By the way, there was a great piece that I came across. I think somebody sent it to me. John Cena, um, I always thought was just a big muscle head. And then when I saw him in Trainwreck, I thought, Mm -hmm. actually, you know what? He can he's got some comedic chops and stuff like that. And I didn't think he was ready for prime time when he did, uh, blocked it used to be called cock blocked. He did that movie. He was the lead in it. I thought, ah, he's not ready to be a lead. Then peacemaker came out. It was great. But I read this great article the other day, Paul Heyman, who is a wrestling personality for any of you who may know, but Paul Heyman was talking about John Cena. And I didn't know this. Now, I know that John Cena does a lot of Make-A-Wish stuff. I think yeah. he, does he does more Make-A-Wish. Yeah, out of anybody in the yeah. world, he does the most Make-A-Wish stuff. Well, apparently he did it for years 
without letting anybody know about it, except his employers knew about it. And that was it. He never let anybody know. And it was Paul Heyman told the story about how he was in a meeting with Vince McMahon and John Cena. And Vince McMahon was just pleading to say, it's like, look, John, you've got to let us let people know that you're doing this. And Cena was like, no, I don't want to let people know. I just want to be there for the kids, blah, blah, blah. And it, they finally, Vince McMahon convinced him by saying, if you let us let people know that you do this, it will encourage others to get involved. You're, and Vince McMahon said, you're actually hurting Make-A-Wish by not letting people know that you are this involved. So they finally convinced him to let the world know what he was doing. And that, I'll tell you what, my respect for John Cena, I, I don't know the man personally, mm -hmm. but my respect for this dude just, with every story I hear, just gets higher and higher and higher. So, uh, and I love Peacemaker. It's so good. It is, listen, I loved Arrow. I really liked Flash for a long time. All that stuff. Peacemaker is the greatest DC show ever of all time. It, it feels it, like whatever he's doing, he's going 100 at it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Him and Keanu Reeves need to join up to become this super good guy. He oh, does. yes. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> Except great that we, we won't be able to see him. Oh. All right. You know I had to throw that in there. No, Come on. you had to? I did. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'll take it. Do you even know who you're talking to right now? <laughs> All right, what's next? From Caitlin Eccles, do you think shrinking is as good as Ted Lasso? About to start watching it since Ted Lasso finished, and I'm hoping this will fill the lasso-shaped void in my heart. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know that I've watched a show that surprised me as much as shrinking. I mean, I only checked it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jason Segel. I, I, I do. I like him very, very much, but... I only checked out. I was like, well, Harrison Ford's doing a show. All right, I'll at least check it out. <laughs> it is, it's one of the best things on television. And yes, I would put it, you know how much I love Ted Lasso. I put it on par with Ted Lasso. Uh, what about you? You watch both of these shows. Yeah, they're, they're different viewing experiences where Ted Lasso, right? It, it's so much of the good in people. Mm -hmm. And shrinking is about trying to find those little bits of good. And, but they oh, both make your heart smile. They do. And yeah. both shows make me cry a lot. And I know that doesn't mean anything because I cry at everything. I cried at the <laughs> farmer's dog commercial. But uh, <laughs> it's such a good show. And I think you'll really, really enjoy it, especially if you're missing Ted Lasso right now. Oh, it's beautiful. All right. What's next? From Aaron Epstein. Hey, John and crew. Apparently the same amount of tickets were bought this weekend for Spider-Verse and Transformers. And it's only because of the IMAX ticket prices that Transformers made more. Irrelevant. Uh, people I mean, like again that's that's really not a consideration because that just also means people were willing to pay more for transformers tickets than they were for whatever so it, it really all comes down to transformers won the weekend now granted it won the weekend in its first weekend against a movie that was going into its second weekend so take that with a grain of salt but spider-man made $120.5 million in its opening weekend, and it only took a 54% drop. That is rare. It's not unheard of, but rare. And uh, it's doing tremendous. At least domestically, it's doing tremendous. All right, what's next? From My Comic Planet, John, Ezra Miller actually did speak to one press group yesterday, someone from The Movie Report. I watched the interview. Was surprised because I thought such interviews were off limits. Sounded good, though. I, I, I can't comment on that. The, the, just the thing that I had read in the official trades was that he wasn't speaking to press. So I don't know if so, at some point he stopped at, at some point and talked to somebody. I'm guessing he probably wasn't supposed to. Um, but if they did, okay. Uh, but again, it's like I'm saying, everything that I read in all the reports was that they weren't supposed to speak to any of the press. But I'll look into that. All right, what's next? From Adam so uh, Sandoval, when an actor passes away, do the residual checks go to their spouse or does it depend on the contract between the actor and the studio? No, it, you can pass on that stuff to to people who survive you. So, yeah, yes, to your estate. Yeah, it goes to your estate and then uh, the estate distributes accordingly. So, yes, if you have a contract, then that keeps getting paid. Gimli yeah. and Trico are going to get those sweet, sweet 30 cent checks, baby. <laughs> it, it does the same, it's the same idea with the music industry. Yeah. So the if, if you have the rights to the music, mm -hmm. your estate just keeps collecting that exactly. money. Exactly. Yeah. A little concerned that none of you batted an eye at my dogs outliving me. Well, especially I mean, considering no. this also let's call it like some one of your dogs is not in the greatest of health either. But no, he's 13 this month. We get to throw his bark mitzvah. Yeah. Oh. You know, the, 
we're just all concerned about the sheer amount of cocaine you generally do. You know I don't we, do cocaine. We, I we, bought this nose. <laughs> Why would I ruin my purchase? All right, what's next? <laughs> From Dr. Stinky. Oh. What a great segue. Got my tickets to see Flash, and I'm seeing Transformers again tonight. Nice. Out of everything, Oppenheimer, I'm so excited for Oppenheimer and can't wait to see the I Am Become Death speech on the IMAX screen. Yeah, Oppenheimer's getting close. Uh, I, I just, everything I see from this movie just makes me salivate. It just, the drama looks thick, the way it's presented. I, I especially love, the one line I love, especially from the, from the promotions is when he's talking about, uh, Matt Damon's talking about, so you're saying it is possible that when we press this button, we could destroy the world. And Oppenheimer says something along the lines of, it, it's, it's a near zero possibility. What more do you want? He says, I would prefer zero. <laughs> I love that line so much. But you remember the tension? Like they were, they were exploring uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. They did not know for sure what they were going, what was going to happen when they set off this nuclear uh, process. And because they, there was a theoretical chance, it could have just destroyed the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I can't wait to watch this movie. And in the hands of a director like Christopher Nolan, come on. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Augustine, do you think someone is going to sue Sony due to the audio problem claiming their experience was ruined? No. Now, um, it, that's like saying I'm going to sue McDonald's because the pickle I had on my hamburger was a little bit more sour than what I'm used to. I, the worst thing you could do um, or sorry, uh, the most you could do or somebody could do in that situation, simply go to the movie theater manager and saying, I want my money back. That you could have done. But a- an audio level being a little bit lower than what you would have liked? No, that is, <laughs> you, you will be laughed out of any lawyer's office in the world. If the movie that. was trash, maybe, but it's so good that no, no one's no. complaining. But even if it was trash, you yeah. got no basis for yeah, anything. Yeah. You know, the, there was a lawsuit once for the Ryan Gosling movie where he's the driver. Oh, right, right, right. He's got the scorpion drive. jacket. I, mm-hmm. I, drive. Drive? Is that yeah. the name? Okay, where he's the driver. Drive? Yeah, that's the one. Because Aaron the ad <laughs> campaign... What was that movie with Aaron Brockovich? Aaron Brockovich. So, because the ad campaign for, uh, for Drive made it look, and it did, the ad campaign made it look like a Fast and the Furious movie. And it's not... It is a very slow-moving, methodical crime drama. And yet so much better. And now the, they were suing them for under the pretense of false advertising because they tr- totally made the movie look like one thing or something else. But that's different. If, if you go into a movie, it's like, ah, the colors weren't as bright as I wanted to. I'm suing. So no. no, to answer your question succinctly, no, they cannot sue Sony for it. All right, what's next? From Ulatan. Hi, gang. I know we talk a lot about great sitcoms like Seinfeld, The Office, and Parks and Rec, but one I rarely hear people talk about these days is King of Queens. I've introduced my wife to it, and she loves it. I have it as one of my all-time favorite shows. Have you watched it? What do you think? I, back when um, Kevin James was getting actually quite big and getting more into movies and stuff like that, I did finally at one point go and, and check out King of Queens. I think I got about four episodes in. And to be fair, I don't think I watched it from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't click with me. To me, it was like... I didn't hate it. Yeah. It just didn't click with me. To me, it was like, well, I already have Everybody Loves Raymond. Right. Yeah. For Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. That's so. right, Jonathan. And by the way, um, the guy who played Raymond's brother, I'm trying to remember the, the guy's name, but... Oh, right. Um, Garrett. Yeah, Garrett something. Why can't I think of his last name? That's he, good enough. <laughs> he owns a comedy club in the MGM in Vegas, in the big MGM that he owns a comedy club. Uh, oh, Brad Garrett's Garrett. his last Brad name. Garrett, thank Brad you. Brad Garrett. He owns a comedy club in there. And I had never been to it, but Mark Ellis went and performed there. And Ellis saw that I was in Vegas. He texted me, yeah, I'm performing at, uh, at Brad Garrett's comedy club. Night. And that's the first time I went. So besides the fact that Mark killed it, Brad Garrett also got up to open the night. Oh my God, that dude is fucking funny. He's really funny. And I want to go and just watch him perform against He's amazing. Yeah, he's He's really, really good. All right, we got time for two more. What's next? From Jesse as a Turtle, do you guys have a favorite Funko Pop? 
I have some really valuable yeah. ones, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no. Um, the, the very first one I bought was Apollo Creed from the first Rocket series. That has to be my favorite. That started it all. I didn't even. A, I don't even think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite ones. It's it will be my, the most memorable one until I give sell it or something. But that's it. I think I bought you Supernatural one. I was gonna say my yeah. favorite one is the very first Funko Pop I ever got, and it was and Ray bought it for me. It was uh, Dean Winchester and Castiel. He bought Dean Winchester and Castiel for me. And those continue to be my favorite ones that I have. Nice. It started kind of an obsession. (laughs) I I ended up owning like 300 of them or something like that. Yeah, there's some trouble with that company right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. I've got my um, Crowley and my Aziraphale ones. Those are probably my favorite. Crowley was my favorite character on the show. I love them so much. All right, last question of the day. What's next? From Tucker Voiles. Did you see the teaser for Winning Time Season 2? Oh, I did not. I loved the first season, and the second looks great. Adrian Brody was awesome as Pat Riley. He was so good as Pat Riley in Season 1. Uh, it was rather crazy. I've been looking forward to seeing him as uh, as Pat Riley again. But I didn't even know a, a teaser came out. Did that come out like in the last 24 hours? I'm queuing it up now after I until we get it. did not even know they brought that out. One day. All right. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and making this show part of your day. Uh, Don't forget, guys, we have a newsletter that we send out every morning. So if you guys look in the description of this show, you'll find a link so you can go and subscribe to that newsletter. We send out announcements and a rundown of the topics we're going to be covering that day, a little bit of a blog installment of me, if you will. So go and check it out and sign up to it. Don't forget to also come back and join us for the next episode. And hey, if you're watching or listening to this on YouTube, you can just subscribe to the show on a podcast feed. We'll probably give you a better listening experience. So go find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Look at all those stars there. Or any of your favorite podcasting apps of choice. And if you're listening to this on podcast, we have a YouTube channel where we put out some daily short videos talking about news stories. Make sure you can go and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. So for Ray Aura, Jonathan Voico, Chris Carr. Me. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.